well, I would mate with these things, but they're just, I'm not attracted to them, so I'm just gonna go ahead and just die. Hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast where we discuss a thing, and then we try to decide if it's good or bad, or maybe neither. Or we invent a better version of it. Sometimes we invent a better version of it. Tonight, Matt, is going to be a little bit of a different show, maybe. Are we coming up with another Kickstarter idea? I mean, that might happen. We really can't turn it off. That's the thing about us. We're just yeah. naturally uh, idea starters, founders by nature. Wow, I just I feel gross even saying that ironically. It still kind of falls out of your mouth in a gross way. Um, tonight, Matt, I want to discuss something that uh, not only am I going to argue is not objectively good or bad, which is contrary to what I usually do on this show, mm-hmm. uh, something that I think is impossible to be objectively good or bad in any circumstances. It sounds a lot like me. How what big are we talking about? Well, so I, I don't want people to get the idea. I know my role in this show is to bring a thing, talk about whether it's good or bad, your role is to tell me I'm wrong, and then we invent a great Kickstarter. Yeah. But uh, I don't want people to get the idea that I think everything is necessarily definitely good or definitely bad. So the thing I want to talk about tonight is attraction and attractiveness, specifically like human attractiveness. Mm. Now, I think lots of people would argue there is an objectively most attractive. Every once in a while you see one of those dumb articles where somebody like polled uh, you know, a thousand people and ask them to click on the face they thought was the most attractive and then they like do that thing in Photoshop where they mix them over each other like, look, <laughs> the most beautiful person and it's like, well, no. <laughs> uh, also, there are obviously people that are hired to professionally be good looking, right? There are models, there are movie stars. Uh, there are people that that's how they make their living. You would expect that you could justifiably say, well, they must be objectively attractive, right? Because models look alike right they look pretty similar for the most part and movie stars look generally similar uh, except for people that are typecast or something else maybe they're actually a culture sure maybe they're actually a very talented actor or actress which is another reason you can get hired even if you don't necessarily look uh the the part uh well i guess you look the part you know what i'm saying i do know what you're saying (laughs) so you would i think you could make the argument that oh there is an objectively most attractive kind of person uh, and people also are try- always trying to do this, right? Because they're trying to figure out what is the hottest kind of person. Some people really want to be that person. Some people want to sell something by using that person's face to sell it to you. And I, my argument I'm going to make is that that is equivalent to, like, the McDonald's of food, right? Or the coolest cooler of coolers. Like, in all those circumstances, nobody's actually trying to figure out what is pure, true attractiveness. They're just trying to figure out what is going to be the most popular, what is going to sell the most clothes, sell the most Beats by Dre headphones, sell the most whatever thing they're trying to sell with this person's visage. Uh, and so the like marketing, it's like, the, it's like marketing, right? That yeah. kind of determining what physical attraction is just comes down to that marketing mindset of whatever is most popular, therefore must be the best. I agree with that. So we could agree that's not the pursuit of objective attractiveness. So what does that leave us with? Uh, What are the other circumstances where attraction comes into play? Uh, The only thing I really have that I can imagine or think of is being attracted to a person, like romantically, physically, whatever. Uh, And in that circumstance, it is not like any other kind of thing we've ever talked about in this show because there is literally an audience of one right? I mean, you might date multiple people through your life. Uh, maybe you're, uh, you're uh, polyamorous, you know, great for you. I'm, I'm good for you. I support that completely. Uh, but for the most part, like, 
you literally don't care if every person that you are not dating or not <laughs> married to on the planet finds you unattractive, as long as the person that you were actually with does find you attractive, right? I, I don't think that's actually totally true. But you don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think if every single person in the entire world thought you were horribly ugly and terrifying looking, and only one person found you good looking, you probably have a serious complex. Hmm. You don't think so? Andy, everybody in the world except for one, and maybe she doesn't even have good eyesight, thinks, <laughs> thinks you're a horrifying mess. How do you feel about yourself? I mean, I don't, I don't, it's, I, I can't possibly say. Uh, I, I can't put myself in that position, obviously. I, I don't know what I would feel like in that position. But uh, I do know that, like... So I, I guess you're kind of getting at, like, the fragile ego part of it, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Even if you're in a happy relationship, you are not polyamorous, you desire to be with one person in a committed relationship, and you are in a committed relationship with that one person, you're saying there's still some part of you that wants to be attractive to other people. And Absolutely. And I think most... Certainly that makes sense. Yeah, I think... Uh, even people in long-term relationships who uh, are completely committed to each other would say, oh, it's really nice to feel attractive in front of other people. And I don't think, I think that is, that doesn't matter what gender you are. Yeah, I don't think that's controversial. No. I, I think you're right about that. So you think, uh, there's a question for you then. Yeah. When somebody is trying to put together themselves, uh, do you think most people think about wearing something or putting on makeup or you know doing whatever to their physical outward appearance not to imply that's the only thing that makes up attractiveness it is far from it mm -hmm. but let's simplify it for now and just talk about this particular variable uh do you think that most people either a think about the person they are specifically trying to impress and that person is their partner or their intended partner or prospective partners if they're not in a relationship do you think b they're trying to impress everybody as many people as possible like they're taking the the marketing approach of the more people that think i'm attractive the better uh or do you think that c they're just doing it for themselves without a care in the world for what other people will ever think of them i think if we, I think I would, we have to generalize i would say it's probably closer to b i think you do it a little bit for everybody and it's it's degrees of things right it's not just like trying to uh get someone to have sex with you but it might just be like Having everybody, having everyone in the world respect you a little bit more. Like I think there's uh, attractive attractiveness works on many levels, and uh, even if like you put on a suit because that's generally considered more attractive than putting on a pair of sh you know sweatpants or whatever. Um, it's cultural too. It's a sign of respect, but I think it all comes down to like what what makes you look good, uh, and that's that's something you do for everybody uh, to kind of fit in with whatever society you're a part of. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely very related to what I'm talking about, but I don't want to get too far down the, like, clothes-specific thing. I know I kind of brought it up, but the more we talk about it, the more I feel like it's kind of a different thing, because there are so many other considerations yeah. that go into what you wear. I think, right? that's, I think uh, that's fair, but I think looking attractive to generally to everyone is part of it. Interesting. So, Matt, uh, you certainly wouldn't argue there is an objective attractiveness, or would you? I don't think so. Uh, I think there's things that, like, generally work out, the same way that you mentioned that, like, uh, article that photoshops a bunch of faces onto each other and then they end up looking like kind of a bland, attractive person. Like, I think everyone can agree that more facial symmetry is better than zero facial symmetry, but I don't think it, I don't think it spans all times and all cultures and, I don't know, there are too many weird examples of attractiveness in different cultures that I don't think it counts. What would zero facial symmetry look like? Missing half a face? <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> it's just... 
You literally feel, just you got a face. And I feel nothing. bad for people with half a face, but open I, air. I don't no, think I mean, that would right. be objectively attractive. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing I was going to say is that when we are talking about these other things we've talked about in yeah. the show, things like comics and movies and products and you know big systematic ideas, the purpose of the pursuit of what I call goodness or objective good or whatever, I everyone labeled undeniable good. The purpose to my mind is to learn how to do it, right? Like I, I want to know what a good movie is so I can better understand what good movies are. Maybe I want to make yeah. a movie someday. Or maybe I just want to understand the medium better. Or I want to understand what makes a good product so I can make a good product instead of just making a product that is very easy to market and is very popular and lots of yeah. people like. Um, and the thing I was going to say is that, and you know, my, it's interesting where this is heading now, is that um, you don't, I don't think you could think about attractiveness in the same way uh, in that even though I, what you said is definitely true, right? You, there is an ego part of you that does not want to be repulsive to the populace yeah. in general. Uh, you want to be generally attractive. Uh, I don't think you can take the approach of I'm going to figure out what attractive actually is because like you said, like there's huge cultural differences, which there are in movies too, but we've also discussed on the show that not being able to appreciate something doesn't make it not objectively good. So we could argue that there is lots of different beautiful, lots of different attractive, which I, I would certainly say is true. I don't, I don't think there's any one objective mm-hmm. anything when it comes to good movies or attractive people. So you could argue it's just a myriad of them. Well, I mean, there's, you can think about it as having a general point. Like, I think you, you could pretty easily argue that the point of being attractive would be to get someone to have sex with you so you can procreate, right? Like, if you have to get down to the core of it. That's what a lot of people would argue. I would argue that I, th- I think we are more beyond that than people would, than scientific people would I like think to we, admit. I think we kind of are. But I think if we really had to think about why we're doing what we're doing, uh, it's maybe not so conscious, but like a little bit, that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, especially, and, uh, I guess it's weird cause you, you kind of have to split it down gender lines, even though I think, uh, the same rules apply to everybody, but, and there's, you know, of course people have different sexual orientations and preferences and even like the idea of a binary gender doesn't always work. Um, but if you're just talking about procreating, like you might say that, uh, a straight man wants more people to find him attractive because his goal is to like spread his seed as far as pop as, po- as far as possible with as many people as possible. So that scattershot approach is biologically useful. Yeah, I, I get, I get that argument. I, I get it. I don't really believe it anymore. Is the thing I guess. Well, do you think? Do you not believe it in that? Like, literally, people aren't doing that, which is true. But are they subconsciously wanting that? Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument is not that. That's what everyone is consciously going out to do, but that, that is the driving force behind why you would go to a horrible bar at, you know, one o'clock in the morning uh, when you're a young person, even though bars are terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could you, you argue it's a subconscious thing, right. right? It's just, that's the thing that's inside of you. You, don't ha- you can't put a name to, but that's what's actually right. pushing you to do that. Um, well, so let's, let's look at it this way. So you mentioned suits earlier. Let's take that example because... Suits are a good example of something that if you if we can try and divorce them from all the like cultural, not attractiveness significance, but just like the, what a suit represents. Pretend a person's not even in it, right? Like a suit it alone represents a certain amount of uh, wealth, a certain amount of power, a certain amount of like masculinity. Mm-hmm. 
that has a lot of things associated with it. Um, and I, I would argue that I do think that uh, a well-made suit, a person does generally look better in than whatever the normal clothes they'd wear every single day. Um, and I also think that the reason that becomes a cultural thing, to, like men are attractive in suits, that, that, that idea, I think, also just comes from a level of like comfort. Like it's like expected. Like it's, it's just the thing that you're going to be able to anticipate and it just fulfills expectations and you get that sort of sense of completion because uh, that's what you were expecting, and then it happens, and then everything's great. Uh, how do we compare that to, like, you know, I imagine, like, the Met Gala uh, photos that come out every year. I, I'm always following along on Twitter. I, I, I don't really care about mm-hmm. fashion, like, the fashion world. Um, I care a little bit about clothes, mostly the way that you would care about, like, buying the right blender. That, that's kind of how <laughs> I care about, like, pants yeah. and, and other clothes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Met Gala thing happens every year, and then you have people that are very specifically, you know, pushing the limits of what's expected. Uh, and that's just one example. Of course, all the fashion weeks in Milan and the world over are very similar. Fashion designers are not making just suits at all uh, because that's, that's boring. Um, do you think there's a direct connection between like those two worlds and like the suit being the like summer blockbuster Transformers movie and the what's on the runway in the fashion world being like the indie art house film? Is that, is that an appropriate comparison? I think so. You think? I think it's, it, in some ways it could be that. Uh, in other ways, it could just be like a hierarchy of needs in terms of attractiveness. Like, uh, in some ways, the suit fulfills it. Uh, maybe the people at the the Met Gala have like fulfilled the need that like no matter what, they can find somebody to procreate them, and now they're going beyond that because that need has been met. So now they can wear a crazy outfit on top of it. Um, so I don't I don't know where it falls because it's like I don't know. You think you think the people there like they're not? I don't know if they're that worried about the world finding them attractive that's already been proven that's why they're there and now they're going for the next thing uh which is escaping a little bit just the pure procreation and and subconsciousness of that hmm i'm trying to figure out what the difference is in my head and i'm just working through this out loud because i do think there's a difference uh i'm not just trying to be all kumbaya a difference between each other about between what a difference between why I can, why I feel confident in saying like this is a good movie, and why I don't feel confident in saying this is an attractive person or an unattractive person. Is it just cultural? Like you feel insensitive saying that? Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is I don't think it's just. I mean, it could be a factor, but I don't think it's just like kumbaya, everything's great. Uh, I'm being very PC and you know sensitive to people's feelings. Uh, I don't think it's just that because I'm trying to figure out what the difference is. And I guess I can say I feel very comfortable thinking this is an attractive person and having that thought. Uh, I feel less comfortable saying it out loud, but that doesn't mean... Oh, no, like, I will recognize that I am attracted to somebody. Yeah. Uh, what I'm not confident in saying is, like, oh, that person is somehow beyond me uh, attractive in some other objective, bigger way. Yeah. Um, which I do feel confident saying about art and movies. And, you know, there are art and movies and music and things that I can recognize as being attractive, even though I myself am not attracted to them, which I don't think I've ever had that experience with a person. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh yeah, that's clearly an attractive person, but like not for me. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out what the difference is. And I'm wondering if it's just like it could just be sensitivity, where you're like, one is talking about a thing, and one is talking about a person with feelings, and it doesn't feel that good to say objectively that's bad, or like objectively this good, this is good, or this person looks good, making this other person look bad. Yeah, but Matt, you and I are creative people, Matt. We know that even though the things we make are just things, we're also very familiar with the like intimate connection you have to them. I I don't ever forget that something i'm talking about might be something that somebody has really dedicated themselves to and feels a lot of 
important emotions yeah. about. Which, I admit, listening to the Coolest Cooler episode, you might think that I have distanced myself enough from that, that I wouldn't say those things to that person's face. Uh, but I would, and I recognize that I hurt the guy's feelings, but I, I'm confident enough in my understanding of that to be like, yeah, look, that's just not how this works. That's not how coolers mm-hmm. work. Um, and I guess the thing is, like, if that guy sells one cooler to somebody that really loves it, uh, I just, I'm, I'm like, great, you found, you found an anomaly, you found somebody that doesn't understand coolers at all. I don't care who you found that, you, that really loves it, you really made a connection to. That doesn't make your thing good. But... If you're a person and you find somebody that finds every aspect of your personality, of your, uh, your, your physical body, every aspect of you attractive, what is the, there's no point in arguing that that person is not attractive in some bigger way, right? Because it's the same as when, that's I said, all that when, when we talked about hamburgers, like if somebody likes the hamburger, there's not really any point in having an argument with them. You can talk, you can have a person who likes a, a bad hamburger talk to a chef that has done nothing but spent the last 20 years making hamburgers doesn't make them not like it anymore no but i think it does still make it a bad hamburger and i don't think it's just that people that are attracted to people that are quote-unquote less attractive and again i'm arguing i don't think that idea exists but assuming it did let's say here's a objectively unattractive person and so they found someone to love them i don't think it's just because the person that is attracted to them is you know, missing out and they don't understand what, it, what attractive actually is, which is exactly what I think happens with the hamburger situation. Um, uh, well, the so, difference uh, yeah. is that you're there. The difference with everything else we've talked about is that we do try to find like a category or a word with a definition and then judge against that. Whereas like this does seem to have to be a little bit broader and be a little bit more difficult to define what we're actually even talking about. Well, yeah, because, you know, some people you would argue make the choices of attraction largely based on physical appearance right uh and some people make it not on not based on that at all for example a blind person probably doesn't care at all what you actually look like when they're determining their attractiveness to you uh so that feels significantly different to me like a hamburger Uh, is a little bit easier to define than a person as a whole less variables with a hamburger yeah sure yeah I, I, would, I would definitely say that a person is more complicated than a hamburger <laughs> i think we can agree on that um but it's also i i still think there's something to this scale like i i, I get what you're saying about the we all still want to be attractive to people mm-hmm. but i think that's a different facet of this because you may want to but it doesn't actually matter like the success of you as a as your attractiveness is not measured by what everyone else who doesn't even know you thinks about you. It's measured by your, this, its real effect on your actual day-to-day life, which is the people that you actually come, come in contact with. Well, that's, I mean, effectively, that is everyone. Like, it doesn't matter that it's, it's not applying to people that you're never going to meet and have never met. But, I mean, even someone that, like, sees you on the subway or whatever, or yeah. in an airport, uh, and they judge you one way or the other, either, hey, look at that hottie, or, wow, what a butterface. Uh, you know, that person because because the idea that they could uh potentially be another partner for you because they find you attractive just randomly in public seems like a win for the person whose like subconscious goal is to procreate with everyone yeah but that's the part i don't buy like yeah i I get the evolutionary argument yeah i understand the you know idea that we as the descendants of people who by definition, had sex, therefore must be driven to sex for some reason, and over many, many iterations, we eventually get selected for, for the people that think sex is good and want to do it. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I very much get that. 
Uh, and I'm not arguing that's not true. I just don't think, like, do you think attractiveness comes into play in, like, the animal kingdom? I mean, to, to like, really rewind the clock on this a little bit, uh, I feel like attractiveness is kind of a uniquely human thing. Uh, yeah, people make the argument that, oh, you know, uh, this is going to get slightly crass. We can decide if we want to take it out or not. But, like, people made the argument, oh, people like women with big hips because they can bear children. And that's an evolutionary thing where if you were in the wild and you saw an animal that was clearly able to bear a child, that would be something that would be attractive to you because you somehow deep down in your evolutionary genealogy know that that's going to make your offspring more likely to survive, therefore your uh, bloodline more likely to continue. Uh, that always feels awfully hand-wavy to me, and I have to expect that uh, in nature it's kind of just like an availability thing. <laughs> like... I can't imagine, uh, you know, an animal being like, well, I would mate with these things, but they're just, I'm not attracted to them, so I'm just going to go ahead and just die, <laughs> let, my let my bloodline end here, because I'm really just not attracted to these wombats Yeah, but it could just be, I mean, we you're talking about it as if they're, they're people who are just very judgmental, but it could just be like, uh, maybe health is attractive, and the idea, like, you're going to mate with some, somebody that is healthy enough to mate. And the opposite being that that person has died, so obviously those traits are not, you know, not, not things you find attractive or, like, are, is unable to mate. Uh, that makes sense to me. Like, the, the very specifics of, like, an animal with childbearing hips seems a little bit far-fetched. Like, I totally understand the idea that we've gotten there, and that's maybe a, sub a subconscious reason that that's why we find it attractive. We're talking about tigers. Probably not. But it's probably just uh, a little bit broader, and you can still apply the same general idea to it. Hmm. Like I think it's just I, I, I think attractiveness is just like some sort of way for humans to sniff out health. Okay, so how about this? Or animals to sniff out health. So I believe we agreed. Remind me if if you didn't agree with me that on the taste episode that you could develop taste in a thing and become more aware of it, right? Yes. Do you think you can develop a taste in attractiveness? Can you be a person that? is just more in tune with that? Uh, see, that seems like too broad a statement. Like, maybe categories, or like, I don't know, would you say like fetishes? Something, something like that? I don't, I don't know well, where I mean, it goes, people, but... I think some people would definitely argue that, like a fashion designer, or somebody that uh, is a casting director, or, you know, works at a modeling agency to, like, choose who gets to be the models. Like, I think lots of people would argue that those people must by definition be the people that have the taste and attractiveness right if you look at yeah. 200 models applicants that come through a room to apply to be part of your modeling agency in a saturday you have seen a lot more conventionally attractive people than probably most people will ever see in their entire life in one day so if exposure is what is actually giving you that then we could follow that logic and say that that person is developing a taste for attractiveness i think that's but i still I think that's think too that's broad nah, i think that's too broad though i think they're de developing a taste for a certain look uh, in the same way that we've talked about like categories and definitions and stuff. And I actually do think that's true. Like trying to find a runway model, trying to like developing a taste for finding people that look really good when you drape clothes on them. Like that seems like a skill you can develop as not oh, general sure. attractiveness. Then, right. But I also don't no, think I, that uh, if that's your job, you're going for general attractiveness, you're going for specific traits. And that is something I do think you could develop a, a taste for. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, I definitely think that person in that position is getting really good at pattern matching and they're getting really good at understanding the specific traits they need to select for. But 
those traits are not actually at all related to attractiveness. Whereas if you picture a chef in a kitchen making burger after burger after burger, I think they are approaching a, you know, most burgeriness, <laughs> like, you know, a really, really good hamburger, which is different. I don't think they're just pattern matching for like the most, ha- like, I think it's a different thing. And I, I, if I could figure out how to describe it, I feel like we would have another box or another rule or little thing we could put in our puzzle we're building. I mean, I think they're both, they're both fuzzy though. Like we never agreed on what the ideal burger is and then we're never going to, we're not going to agree on what the ideal attractiveness is, but they're, those are both two people no. that are kind of circling around it and, and probably are never going to nail it because we can't agree on what it is. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever had the experience of seeing a person who maybe was unconventional to you, the kind of person you've never seen before in some variable? Mm-hmm. Uh, and but yeah, let's take away from just seeing. Let's say you met a person or, you know, some aspect of somebody became apparent to you and you found yourself attracted to this person and also knew for a fact this was the first time, like, this was a new thing to you. It wasn't like you were being attracted to the same old thing you're always attracted to if you have a type or whatever. It was just, oh, this is a new thing, and I know immediately I'm attracted to it. Is, has that happened to you before? It must have. I can't think of a specific example, but uh, I feel like I've had that experience before, sure. It definitely has happened to me before, uh, sometimes with, like, real actual people, and also sometimes with, like, characters in movies or, you know, even less, uh, you know, directly physical things. Yeah. So there may be something to like the person whose job it is to invent a character that is meant to be attractive. Um, This is getting a little, you know, further from like just the physical aspects, right? Imagine a movie where you have a character and you want this character to be attractive to people, um, but not down the middle, conventionally attractive. Like you're not just going to get, you know, Tom Cruise or whatever, because that's not what you're going for. Uh, There definitely have been like tropes or characters that have been invented that I was not familiar with, became familiar with and was attracted to almost immediately. And that is, that's another place where you could argue that they're that person, that person that is that writer or whatever has a innate sense of attractiveness and they've developed a skill at it or a taste at it and they are creating it in whole cloth. But I still doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, it's just it's creating a different kind of burger. It's not a hamburger. It's a burger with peanut butter on it. It's not the same thing, but it's Whoa. a different taste. And a different Whoa, category. Burger with peanut butter on it. Have you ever had that? Whoa. Pretty good. It's weird, but it's pretty That's good. A thing? It's called a goober burger. It's called a. It has a name. It has a name. I'm trying to imagine it. it. It wouldn't be bad. I mean, you just get some sugar on there. It's like a new character you're attracted to. You've already got the salt. I didn't think I would be into this, but I'm pretty into the peanut butter on the burger. It's a lot of protein in one sandwich. That's okay. So here's the best way I can summarize this. If we're trying to wrap it up, this has been a messy episode, but this is what happens when I come in wanting to work something out out loud instead of coming in swinging with my opinion already formed. The the big difference for me, I think, is that a pattern running through all of our previous episodes has been, you could simplify to basically me saying, it does not matter what people think about something when determining if it is good or bad. Some variation of that, right? Like, it doesn't matter if more people like it, being popular doesn't make it good. Uh, it doesn't matter if any one person likes it because they may not get it, they may not appreciate it, they may not understand all the context. Uh, that all basically is irrelevant. I'm, I'm arguing for this sort of distant thing, which is a, a good X that is not related to people's direct opinions. And the difference for me is that when it comes to attractiveness, I think that's literally all that matters. Like nothing else matters except for what people actually think, like practically on the ground, uh, which does not mean that I think that 
the type of person that the most people are attracted to is therefore the most attractive. I just think that that's just a thing that most people happen to be attracted to in the same way that, you know, uh, America is mostly white. It doesn't mean that it's inherently more American to be white. It just means that that happens to be the majority. It is, there's no actual uh, significance to the definition uh, for that. Does that sound like a meaningful difference to you, or is that just poppycock? Eh, I just think it's just easier. It's easier to wrap my mind around it when you think of it as like, th- like attractiveness isn't good or bad, and it's not. You're not going to be able to pin it down. You might find categories of attractiveness, or like, like we use runway model as an example, in the same way that like food, general idea of food, like how do you pin down general goodness of food? Uh, you can probably come up with some sort of traits. We could use the the uh, evolutionary idea, and it's like, well, as long as it's not poison, it's good. Uh, I think we could do that. It's easier when we narrow it down to things, and we start to have definitions, and then we can match the definition and say, hey, well, it's a good version of that, because it matches the definition. I think you could do that with categories of attractiveness and get closer to it, but there's a reason it's kind of fuzzy and weird, because you kind of... It's a word that doesn't have uh, a totally understood meaning in this sense, right? Yeah, and I appreciate your your desire to always come back to the scientific explanation because at the very least that's been proven by some standard but i think the reason that uh i struggle with that here is that i mean anecdotally i feel like many people that i know that are in relationships romantic or otherwise you know a friend is a relationship i think that most of us are attracted on some level to our friends and you could use that word to describe it um i think those relationships are founded in much more than just that biological intent that you're describing. And I would argue that everything we've discussed, you'd be, have a hard time explaining scientifically, which I think is your struggle with it, right? Yeah. Like, what is the evolutionary purpose of a film? Uh, there is none. There's no reason why people should spend any actually, other that's time. A, that's actually why I find, like, I find this explanation a little bit easier than a film, because at least there's a core, especially if you're talking about uh, attractiveness as a way to further the species, then, well... There's, there's, that seems like there's a pretty good reason as opposed to like what makes a movie good. That's a lot fuzzier. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I guess I'm saying the thing that makes you more confident in saying this about attractiveness is the thing I, I just want to throw right out because <laughs> I, I know because <laughs> it already doesn't exist for all the other things that we're talking about. Like I think the society and civilization we've built on top of our biology is where this idea lives. I don't think it actually lives in our biology. There's, you know, tendrils and roots there, mm-hmm. but uh, I think this is more like a movie. I think you probably pick people to surround yourself with and be romantically involved with more like you pick movies that you like than that you, you know, seek out non-poisonous food. I, I, I just feel like... Uh, here's another way I always like to think about it. Um, I think this is getting a little bit off the track, but maybe this is more interesting to people. Um, I, I always... I'm a big advocate that I think that love is a choice like i don't think it's like a thing that just happens to people and uh you know my sister and i my i have a younger sister and we have disagreeing opinions on this matter and the thing i've said to her in the past is like all right imagine that you are born in the 1920s in a small town in the midwest and you live on a farm and you never leave this small town and most of the people in that small town also never leave this small town and statistically, just of the number of people in this town and the number of people within, you know, four to six years of your age and of the appropriate gender for your preferences, 
that number of people you could possibly ever meet and fall in love with and date and marry and have children and do that whole thing with, uh, if that's your thing, is an incredibly small pool, right? You're looking at dozens of people in some circumstances. Uh, I should find, I read a very interesting article one time about uh, these students at MIT who uh, were having trouble finding dates and finding partners. And so they decided to actually do the math for how many reasonable, like what the chances were, like how many people on a rough average were likely to be in the whole city of Boston that they might find attractive and be, be able to settle down with. And we did everything from saying like, all right, let's look at ages. Let's assume that maybe I don't want to be with somebody who's on the opposite side of the political spectrum. So let's take out all the people based on the sort of percentage breakdown of people's political leanings in the city. And they did it and it came out to like, like a handful of people basically. <laughs> like, oh, like looking at this, there's like a dozen people in this city of a million that I could actually probably be compatible yeah. with. Uh, and yet in that small town in the Midwest in the 1920s, uh, and also on the other side of the spectrum, somebody that's traveled the globe their entire life, they've lived in big urban centers, they're surrounded by tons and tons of people constantly. Uh, no one group of those people ever has any better chance finding love, right? Uh, like the people in the small town are very likely to meet somebody and settle down and have kids and be perfectly happy their entire lives, just as the people in the city are likely to do that. And if, if attractiveness or if love was some bigger thing that was outside of what you actually just felt in that moment was outside of your context then it would, it would be impossible to live in that small town in the midwest and ever find anybody you're attracted to statistically speaking like it, there'd be no no chance and similarly everyone that did live in a big city or did travel a lot or did meet lots of new people would inherently find people they were way more attracted to which is just not how it works like attractiveness is is defined by your context uh, and it's maybe, maybe we should think about it as like you to the outside world as opposed to the other way around because that's where the ego gets mixed mm-hmm. up in it. But it's, it's defined so strongly by your context in a way that I don't think the other cultural products we've discussed on this show are. Like those other things, like literally the same movie exists in this small town in the Midwest and it exists in this, in this big city on the East Coast and it exists in Alaska and it exists everywhere. Like the movie is portable. And your context of your experiences, which is what determines attractiveness, is by definition not portable. Like if you were to go to the city, your definition of attractive would change because you have all sorts of new information to put into your little machine brain. And it's not that you got better at defining attractiveness, it's just that your, your variables changed. How's that for an explanation for why those things are different? You went through a lot right there. You started with love is a choice. Which, uh, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one. To be very clear, I don't think it's a conscious choice. Like, I don't think you necessarily get to, like, say for sure that you want to do it. I think some people just are better at making that choice, and some people are, have a more difficult time. I don't, e- I don't think it's crazy to say it's a conscious choice after a certain period of time. Like, I think the, it doesn't have to be initial, but, like, at a certain point, yeah, you do make a choice to decide to make it work and get over things and... Obviously, it's not not everything's perfect all the time. So you have to make a choice like, well, am I going to continue doing this or am I going to bail? Because, you know, it's it's work Maybe now. Maybe there's a it's better hamburger just... at the next restaurant. <laughs> I think it's always a choice. I think it's a little bit, uh, I think the idea of soulmates is a little bit silly, especially when you use the idea of like your, your Midwestern town example. It's like, oh, you just happen to find your soulmate right here or you made a choice and you both made it work. and. You could have done that with well, other people. The thing. When you live in that Midwestern town, like that is where your quote unquote soulmate has to be because 
your context, your cultural perspective is entirely shaped by that situation. Yeah. So you're not going to fall in love with somebody from like literally no similar experiences. Like as soon as you travel to go somewhere else, and now you're somebody that has traveled and you may meet somebody else that has traveled and now you have similar cultural experiences. Maybe you find connections between other things. But if you never leave that small town, you will fall in love with somebody there almost guaranteed. Uh, and it will be because that is the bounds of what your perception of attractiveness is. And that doesn't make it any less valid than if you were somebody that traveled and saw lots of things and met lots of people, because the context is everything. And I would argue if you're trying to make some sort of cultural contribution, a piece of art of some kind, then I, I think the good art does try and strive to reach above that context. Like, I think it's a little bit easier to make a piece of art that people in Manhattan and only Manhattan will appreciate. And you can do that. I also think you can make a piece of art that speaks to people all over literally the whole globe. And there's some value in that. And I'm saying that second thing can't happen on attractiveness. It's just, it's impossible. Oh, I think they're both equally difficult. I think just maybe with art, you have a little bit more control because attractiveness is mostly what you're born with. Booba Kiki. <laughs> you don't think it's possible to make a piece of art that resounds and means something to people i think i think it's possible i think it's incredibly challenging uh and i think the difference in attractiveness is like uh you don't have the paintbrush right like you can do some things to yourself to change what you look like and who you are and how how you relate to people obviously but some of it's just in your nature it's the way you're born and so you don't have complete control uh, about it so it's almost like saying like what if you had to make that painting but most of the variables are random how hard would that be pretty hard so you're saying if you were god <laughs> you could do it you could make a person so attractive that people all over the world would admit that there you go that's that's it you've hit upon it as soon as they saw this person Andy, but Andy, that's because, exactly what i'm saying if i were god i could do that but because instead humanity is this big uh, randomly generated machine that just programmatically spits out people uh based on a set of random variables mm-hmm. that the chances of that thing randomly spitting out this paradigm are just so slim. That's what I think. Yes. Well, I guess we s- 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 settled it. The problem with one of the problems with this episode is that we used attractiveness to define physical attractiveness, and then also a little bit uh, like the attract the general attractiveness of, of a person, meaning their personality, their demeanor. Uh, we didn't really pin down what we were even talking about, so I'm not sure if we nailed that one. I mean. I didn't want to limit it to just physical attractiveness. I think that's one of the easiest ways to talk about it because it's well, yeah, it is easier. The way concrete. that the way that we can say hamburger and not just general sandwich. Of course, that makes it easier if we can pin down what we're talking about. But you don't think we like attractiveness is just you're drawn to a person? Uh, yeah, I think as a whole, sure. I'm just saying the more variables you add to the definition, the harder it is, the, the fuzzier it's going to be, and the more trouble you're going to have with it. Well, I mean, you could say there's not that many variables in hamburger, but there are a lot when you start to count them. And there's, I would say, a lot of variables in something like, you know, a feature-length film or an album. Like, I don't know that, like, yes, obviously, on, in, like, one sense, people are obviously more complicated than art. But at the same time, if you're, like, trying to, you know, the amount of information you actually get of somebody's personality by the time you've established whether you're attracted to them or not is impossibly small, right? Like, you meet somebody at a party, you see them, you see what they're wearing, you hear them talk for four minutes, and your brain has probably already figured out if you're going to be attracted to them or not. You haven't plumbed all the depths of their human complexity. Uh, That is probably not actually relevant in your decision. 
decision paints it as if you have too much control over it. That's not really relevant in your evaluation of this person. So yeah, but you're I, I also but at that point you're also probably just talking mostly about physical attraction because you haven't really gotten that far into anything else. Oh, see, I disagree. I don't. I really. Think, I mean, like you're talking about you're, you're talking about meeting someone for like four minutes. You're like, well, I've gotten fifty percent of their general uh, general attractiveness and fifty percent of their physical attractiveness. So, like, I think at that point okay, you're like, so here's, you're ninety percent looking at a person and you've you've ten percent talked to them. Or so whatever, whatever I have listened to podcasts and developed crushes on people in like three minutes of hearing them on a podcast. Three minutes? That seems, see, that seems very weird to me. No, absolutely not. You can tell so immediately what a person's like general approach to the world is. Obviously, hmm. you're not getting a huge like deep look at them, but like you can tell very, very quickly what somebody's like general gist is. I, I feel like you, you, that's how quick you have to establish whether you're attracted to somebody or not. Hmm. And you, yes. The more relationship develops, the more you're exposed to that person, you may find that your feelings are deepened or you may find that they are diminished somehow because, oh, this person actually has a Confederate flag tattooed all over their back or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I think you can make a really solid event. I have definitely developed crushes on people from s- single minutes of podcasts before. I have never had that experience. That's interesting. Oh, man, it happens to me all the time. I, I develop crushes on people from like a single tweet. Really? In a lot of circumstances, yeah. That's very strange to me. Twitter is, how Twitter long, is a place... How long did you have to listen to Marlon before you had a crush on him? Oh, not long at all. No, I, I basically knew immediately. I was like, this, this guy is the kind of guy for me, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it was, it was not long at all. Like, that's a perfect example. Like, in listening to a Merlin Man podcast for two or three minutes, you, I mean, you've basically heard all the Merlin Man podcasts at that point. Like, you can keep <gasps> listening if you're really into it, but it's, his, his gist is so... Like carefully presented it's just that is what it is um i don't know i i I feel like twitter is a great example like twitter maybe you have a little avatar where they happen to put their actual face in there and then you can maybe say it's something physical but oftentimes it's not and i've definitely developed uh attractiveness to people just from their 140 character tweets over the course of some amount of time that is very weird to me i've not had that experience in the slightest no see attractiveness is completely different to you and me and you know what that's not just because you and I are at one of us is more experienced in attraction than the other. It's just because that's how attractiveness works. It is entirely limited by context. I don't even think there's any value in trying to figure out what the bigger thing is out there because it's just by definition, it is limited to your context and perspective and experience. Maybe you're just very shallow and I'm a little bit deeper. I have a better taste in attractiveness. You should stop being so you should stop having crushes on people based on 140 characters. That's not much information at all, and he's very, very shallow. I can appreciate a really tightly edited tweet where I can tell they rewrote it a couple times, and they you know, made sure they got their idea in there and presented in the most clear, concise way. Very attractive. Mm, I feel like it's kind of crass calling someone tightly edited. It's gross. Okay, how about this? You are telling me you can't see a tweet from somebody or hear them on a podcast for a minute and a half and decide you're not attracted to them for sure. I mean, I guess they could say something really racist and be like, well, I'm not, I'm not into it. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Sure. I think it's the same for me. Like I, I can, like, I definitely feel that way. And I feel the same way about the opposite, about like being attracted to somebody. They can say something where it's like, oh, yep, that sentence, you're, you're great. I, you're fantastic. But don't you think liking somebody or being attracted to somebody is much more complex, much more complex than just like noticing a general turnoff, whether it be physical or like 
attitude, emotional, uh, saying something horrible. Like, I feel like it's way easier to just turn somebody off with something well, terrible than it is to figure out if you're really into somebody. Well, I mean, the, there are depths to it, obviously, but I think, you know, finding the person with the, like, all lives matter tweet is the same as someone, like, you know, slapping a banana on top of a hamburger. Like, yeah, <laughs> if you think you know what a hamburger is, then you're pretty good at identifying something that's very far from a hamburger, uh, which I think, for me, it's very similar. Like, yeah, maybe you get into that hamburger and you eat it every single day over the course of your next, you know, six months, and you start to realize, oh, there's some things about this hamburger I would change, mm. but you can tell very quickly the vast majority of the actually meaningful information. I feel that way about attractiveness in people, actually, at least. Eh, I, that's, that's it's very I easy. I mean, it's, you can sniff out ignorance pretty quick, but sniffing out thoughtfulness takes a little bit more time. Ah, see, I don't, I, I've seriously seen single tweets where I'm like, this, I've, I mean, have you not followed somebody off of a single tweet before? Yeah, I have, and then I give... Out of more than just curiosity, And then I give like it a chance, and then sometimes they're gone. I don't know. I feel like I can see single tweets and be like, this person is clearly very thoughtful and great anyway we don't have to go back and forth about how different your and my perceptions of attractiveness are because this thing is settled we i mean it's settled because <laughs> it's i came settled in because basically saying i agree with matt from the beginning <laughs> but at least we're in agreement here and uh you know right in have you ever uh, fallen in love with somebody from a single tweet let us know oh actually and uh you let us know via a single tweet at real good bad show we never say that anymore Send a tweet to Real Good Bad Show and try and make Matt and I either be very attracted to you or not attracted to you, and we'll report the back. The latter is way too easy. Just do the former. 